Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves, episode six of our second season. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. And I'm Paul LePage. And we're joined once again by two of our favorites. We have from the porch in Alabama, Mr. Wolfman Jeff. How's it going, Wolfman? Hey, good to be back on the show, guys. Good time to be back because we're talking about happy times today. And speaking of happy times, it is Whole Lot of Wolves resident curmudgeon. Mr. Andrew Smith of Atlanta Wolves. Ooh, How's it going, Andrew? Pretty good. A happy boy this week. I know. Now can, some, now I sometimes sleep. sometimes Paul and I feel like we need to do wellness checks after <laughs> some of your texts that we get from you. <laughs> <laughs> Calling wellness. Oh. So when they won, when Wolves won on Saturday 2-0 over Watford, I said, okay, now's a good time for us to have Andrew on. Exactly. He'll be in a, he'll be in a better mood. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thank you. So let's go straight to the game. Finally, a goal, although it was an own goal. That's okay. And then Huang Hee Chan put the game away with a late goal. So 2-0 win at Watford. Paul, I'll let you start. How were you feeling? I know how you were feeling because I was there, but you tell everybody else. Pleased. Workmanlike performance. Nice to have <laughs> some luck. The I thought the second half pretty much was one-way traffic. And as soon as that goal went in, it felt like another was coming, which was nice and refreshing. We haven't felt like that for a while. And again, whilst I don't think we were we were at top speed yet, I still think there's that opportunity where we're going to come up against someone and Raul's header is going to go in and all of those chances that we create. I still think we're going to really turn someone over one of these weeks playing the way that we do. So ton of positives. I think first half was fairly even. They were having some joy down the right-hand side. I think Saar coming up against Marcel and Saiz. I'd like to know what Bruno did or said or what the tactics were in the halftime team talk because that dried up in the second half, really. So it was good to have that shut out. And we went on from there. We built built on a, a solid foundation and... Yeah, plenty of positives to take, I think, with all of it. Wolfman? Yeah, this is actually the first game I got to watch because I'd been on the road for a while, and I didn't watch it in order. I felt like I jumped into a show, and I was binge-watching and went back and watched the other one. I'm not sure if it was the same for you, but I I didn't get a chance. I was watching on Peacock, who lost a lot of Wolf (coughs) fans this weekend. So uh, I, you should I, say you were attempting to watch on Peacock. I was, and, and I kept refreshing every few minutes in, in just the vain hope and trying to find, and I was searching online to see if I can find out another source, and uh, I couldn't get the audio stream to work because you can go to the Wolves app, and some, sometimes you could pay to get the audio. But second half came in, so I had a different approach, I think, from someone who watched the full match, so I didn't watch it in order. It seemed a little sluggish starting, but... Compared to what I'd seen of the clips from the first three matches, it didn't look like we played quite as well. But I wonder if, uh, Josh, is that's part of playing to the level of your opposition. And, and I think there, there was a fair bit of that. It was enough to beat Watford. I don't think it was poor by any chance, but it was. I had seen some other clips where it looked like we were a little more organized, but we weren't disorganized. But then once that own goal went in, 
I think it totally changed the match. And it was like the veil was lifted and they're like, okay, that's off our back. And I felt that we were going to get a goal. I was hoping it was going to be Raul. I so am waiting for the Raul goal this this year, like the rest of us. But I was uh, happy with the goal we had. I think the thing I liked about the goal we had, pretty, but it was tenacious. And that's the thing last year I felt we missed is the fight was out and the, we had fight. Even though opposition wasn't as strong as the rest of the Premier League, we didn't just we weren't content with just the one goal. I think we, we had a, a lot more fight. So I was uh, overall pleased. All right, Andrew, what were your thoughts? Oh, thank you to Paul to telling me that you could get it on NBC because I was mm-hmm. in the same boat. But I was able to pick it up on the Wolves app, at least mm-hmm. the commentary side. I was pleasantly uh, surprised at how we weren't 1-0 behind when they kicked that ball across and the player completely missed. Oh, that yeah, I just thought right there, oh, and I saw that part of the highlights. What I found out is that I thought the other team started to figure us out a little bit on the play because after watching the highlights, the first half was very one-sided and we, we didn't seem as aggressive. That could have been maybe the international break, perhaps a little bit, that maybe the players were tired a little bit. It certainly spurned on in the second half, no doubt. Disappointed that Samedo didn't put that ball away. I thought we had a good shot there. Yeah. 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 That was that was surprising. But the uh, the second half, what I noticed, how many more players are getting into the box? I noticed that, I think his nickname is Bull. They call him the Bull. Yeah. I noticed that even though he scored that second goal and it was across the line and then fluky, I, I noticed there were three players almost in parallel with him. And I thought, wow, that might be a good sign. They're finally understanding that that final third, we have to execute and do something with it instead of trying to be fancy and pass it off here and hopeful. And uh, I, I think it's it, it could be uh, good. I know we'll talk about Brentford later, but it'll be very interesting in what we're going to do against that game. Very interesting. So, n- so now I have to ask you, Andrew, because mm-hmm. you weren't you haven't been thrilled. You weren't thrilled with the Lodge hire. And I know after those first three games, we were laughing at you, but you were like, if we lose against Watford, Lodge is done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and we were laughing at you, but... How do you feel after that game about Bruno? Because I'm all in on on Bruno mm-hmm. Ball. This is a mm-hmm. lot of fun. I'm still skeptical, and, and I'll tell you why. I think there's a seven to eight game window. And if you think uh, 21 to 24 points is that maximum points. And I was just really concerned about us falling too quick, too fast. Nine points given up. I, I know we played three very good teams, but I'm still... Not sure if we have enough depth again. I'm still concerned. A couple of knocks here and there. I'm concerned that we might struggle. I have more confidence in a little bit more now. I think it, compared to where Nuno was this time last year. But I still think our squad, we still need about two or three deep players. And I wish we'd have done something in the in that window. And that was very disappointing. Extremely disappointing. Not picking up extra. A center, an extra center midfielder would have been ideal, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I absolutely agree with uh, with Andrew, especially on, you know, the funny thing is, a lot of ways, I think we had the best depth in a long time, but it's still quite not enough. It just takes one or two to go out, and we could find ourselves in last year's situation. I think the thing I'm frustrated with is, I, I think, a lot of fans are becoming frustrated with Fosen this time. So it's not on Bruno. 
And I think part of the problem is if you've worked in a company and a key person resigns or leaves the company, and rather than replace that person, they just spread out his work among other people. I think the rest of us have been there. That doesn't work. That that works in emergency measures. It doesn't work for a couple of years. And I, Jeff She and others have taken on roles that I think they weren't quite suited for. One of the things that I was hearing a report about why some of our signings we had intended to get the summer didn't go through, and this scares me a little bit, is we don't seem to have the same luster that we had in years prior. Now, that could change, I think, if Bruno proves himself and how we perform on the pitch. I think there's just too many question marks. So not only, yes, we need to get some top players, but it was it didn't sound like it was completely a money issue. It was getting these top players to commit to our program because I'm not sure they're seeing the vision. So I'm hoping by January that changes. We'll see. But I'm also muted. It's not going to be as great of a Christmas as we're hoping, but we definitely going to get someone, I think, in, in the midfield and someone in center back. Never doubt Santa Lodge. Paul, I know we've talked uh, last week about potentially upgrading in January. One of the big things that we were curious about, though, was once they took that 1-0 lead, how would they play? And Lodge didn't drop back into park the bus like Nuno usually did. He kept going. In fact, they were still attacking at 2-0. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, a big positive that even with uh, Huang's goal, it was effectively Marcel that set it up because he was the body in the box at the same time. So you had your left wing back attacking. You had him going in there, which is great. I think that's what we've really missed, that scruffy goal. That's someone just having the fox in the box mentality that could be in the six-yard box and just get on the end of those scrappy efforts and get those goals. So really refreshing to see that. I think it's great for... Bruno and a real real positive for him that whilst we're not blessed with massive depth it was a really good bench so for him to be able to turn around and think I could take off two of my best outlets to the best players that I've got on the pitch swap them out for two others that are going to have that impact in the second half of the game I thought that was fantastic and Podence popping up with that assist, well, effectively an assist and great bit of skill to to sell their centre-back, put him on his backside and put a nice ball across. It was great, again, refreshing and nice to have that intent and nice to have a coach make those decisions and pay off for him. A lot of those players I'm, we used to see at those foxes in the box, outside of Raul coming in the middle, we used to see Jada do that. Yeah. We used to see Matt Doherty a lot. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Johnny to a level, but I think once we lost Matt and then Jada, Johnny went down. It was just Neto and Jimenez, and then it was just Neto, and then it was no one. So it, it was good to see that Pedence is getting that back. I hope that continues. Looks like Marsal is playing with a little more moxie. And so far, excited what I'm seeing with Juan. Uh, outside of just the goal, I, I, I felt like he was very comfortable. There's that nice clip doing the rounds on social media as well, where he wins the ball back yeah. in the midfield as well, and the strength he shows. So 
if he's got that to his game as well, where he can put a foot in and, and not get knocked off the ball and set some up for the midfield, I think that's going to be such a asset to both his and our game. And it's interesting that comparison, not comparison you make, but highlight the opportunities or the goals that we're missing from Doherty. And then with Samedo's chance, because man, if Samedo could finish... That the the thirty two million or whatever he's going to end up costing would look like a snip because every everything was right in those two chances that he had. Hopefully, hopefully that's coming. They're going to work in shooting practice, and we'll see some improvements there. But Semedo actually does give us quite a lot, but unfortunately, it's those two missed goals is what a lot of Wolves fans are going to remember this week. Yeah. So it's he negates. It's like he empties out his bank. He makes these great deposits. And then all of a sudden, he goes to the ATM and there's nothing there. So Yeah, it's the Dama effect there. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Same thing. Andrew, how did you like the aggressive style still going on after getting the lead? Oh, I think it's uh, it's great. Uh, I still think how poor, when I go back to the England-Italy game, uh, we mm. scored that goal. And then, boom, we just went into this defensive mode and it cost us. I think I think if they keep that momentum, they could do very well this season. It's I like that aggressiveness of... I'm going to take the ball back. And, and once you start moving your defenders up or your wing backs up and you take that ball from midfield, you, we're going to catch some teams out. There's no doubt. I think some good positive signs. There's no doubt. I think uh, yeah, another thing we highlighted last year and it's become really magnified this <laughs> season is that we'd effectively written Moutinho off, especially in a two versus <laughs> Neves. And we, we're being forced to eat our words with the the start of the season that they've gone on because whether that's the impact of the the style and a higher press that we're leading from the front a little bit more and they're both being allowed to play further up the field it's not just backs against the wall both of them having to do the defensive duties and be overrun we're playing on the front foot and i think that's having a benefit from top to bottom and it eases the pressure on the defense if we're attacking mm-hmm. from the front and it's easing that burden somewhat on Neves and Moutinho and they're in probably their best form as a duo since the first season together I think. No I agree and I, I think the our goalkeeper sometimes looks bored back there doesn't he? He <laughs> should bring one of those little one of those little bikes out to just keep his legs warm running in the goal or something he just looks lonely back there for a while but it's good that's okay. Two things I really liked that I saw. One was when they took the lead, they still brought in potence. So that really showed that, hey, we're still, we're not going to just drop back because potence is not who you'd bring in for defensive purposes. And clearly they still went at it. I also noticed there in the closing moments, most of the time teams just try and go to the flag and then just kind of keep it in. They did not. They were, Wolves refused to go to the flag. In fact, they were still trying to win possession to potentially cross it into the box. I I love seeing that. I mean, you're talking two goal advantage with in in stoppage time, and you're still doing that. That's fun. That's fun yeah. for the fans. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that hunger is going to continue, and I'm trying to brace myself because I know just one or two injuries could change things. That's my biggest concern with the midfield right now. Yes, Matinho and Nevis are playing very well together now. We'll see if that holds for the year. And then more importantly, we can't have just those two 
in the mm-hmm. midfield for the whole year. So I don't think we so we still have an issue there, and I'm not sure who we're going to bring in, but we'll see. What do you guys think? Do you think we're going to end up with the back three all year, or is he going to be playing around with the back line next? I don't know. See, that that's what's interesting because I think he got Huang He Chan figuring he could be up there with Jimenez as a front two. Yeah. And Kilman, I think, can fit in any system. I honestly, I think right now the only reason they're still sticking with the five man back is because of Cody. Because if you do four man back, do you trust Cody back there? And at this point, if you don't, do you trust whoever would be the main captain then over Cody out there? This is a crazy theory. I'm not sure it would work. What do you think Cody could play a defensive midfielder? Paul doesn't. No. Paul doesn't. Paul doesn't. No. no. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that would be a way to have him, and that way he can move back if he needs to, but I just don't see his agility with that. But, yeah, I, I have to agree. I think Cody is one of the – it will be a liability if we go back to a back four. Uh, I think Kilman's stock is raising quickly. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to see the new guy from – columbia too much from what i saw i liked but he hasn't been there too much if bali stays healthy you've got the players to do it but that means your captain's on the bench and that's true i was just throwing that out there i don't know who else who would we see come into the midfield obviously saiz and Dendonka have done that in the past but i don't know who else we have for that i think there's there's an a if it ain't broke don't fix it at the moment for the yeah. formation so make hay while the sun shines but I think back to your point Jeff about about the project and having those key figures I think if you come to January and then you do go back in for uh, Renato Sanchez that's the statement signing to say we're all in on Bruno this is version two of the project and here, here we are talisman this is the next evolution those types of players but if that's going to happen in midfield I probably think that it something similar will need to be happening in the back as well and have someone of that stature come yeah. in, whether that's Botman or, or someone else. I'm convinced that we need that real leader at the back who can come in and be that status as a centre-back. I think the only way Cody back in, in defensive midfield would work is if they were going to run like a diamond in the midfield. But then you're looking at who would play the top. I don't yeah. Neves probably wouldn't be good. That would be where if you had a Sanchez, that would work. But then you're at that point talking Motinho and Neves on the bench. Uh, so yeah. you'd yeah. like to think, I think in, I think you could make it work in FIFA. <laughs> yeah but is it is it is this like for andrew i can bet you can appreciate that this is some weird paradox that we're talking about a wall center back who's probably in the range of around 20 25 30 million pounds who's an england international could easily come on if one of the first choice England centre-backs mm-hmm. goes off injured, there's Cody on the bench and then we're thinking have the walls got space room going forwards? It's crazy when yeah. we're used to the likes of Paul Blades and Rob Hydemarsh and you name all these absolute donkeys that we've had over <laughs> the years and this is, what we're, this is what we're talking about now. It's like we're in a parallel universe. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. If we had from Rob Hymar scoring against Albion, I'll, I'll add that. <clears throat> yeah. So if we had if we hadn't played the way we've played the last four games, then we wouldn't be talking about this. 
So we would be talking like how we had the last time we were both on here, which was when the spiral was going on. So yes, wild, goofy speculation. I prefer it to panic. Would you guys, now that it looks like Bali and Mascara are both healthy, would you put one of them in place of Saiz or do you go with Paul's? If it's not broke, don't fix it. I think you've, I think we, some of the players are starting to gel and click. I think some of the rotation is not going to do us any harm. And I think that keeps players refresh if they're playing 60 minutes and they switch out or 70 minutes. And it's nice to see that. And I think we still need depth, but some of the players that are starting to work out, I think, in different positions. I agree with Paul, don't touch it. But I think some mixture will be good to to avoid those those injuries. You start to see already, look at the what happened to the guy at Liverpool. Was that a broken ankle, that tackle? Oh, from yeah. Behind? yeah, yeah. So the refs how, are now letting uh, play go on a lot more compared to last year. Last year, you sneezed and it was a foul, right? This year is totally different. I think rotating, keeping players healthy, avoiding injuries, overstressing their body. It's a long season. Got cup games coming up, the Carabao Cup. You've got international breaks coming up, not right away, but soon. So I do. I, I think rotating in is going to be good. What's happened to Silver? Is it, what's going on there, do you think? I bet. I, I suspect he's going to go out on loan in January if we get the right player in or if Huang produces like we uh, we think he is going to and mm-hmm. Neto comes back. I think Silva might go out on loan just so he can get playing time. But just back to your point, I think of all the ones in the defensive on the defense that could come out because we had two strong players on the bench. I think Saiz is the one most likely to move out first. But I agree with Andrew. I would like to see a more of a healthy rotation. But uh, yeah, I, Silva, I, I think we're going to see Silva start for the cup. We'll see how he does for the cup. And I hope he gets in, into some games. But I think Huang might have, if he continues as he did this weekend, we may see less of Silva. I was concerned a little, and we mentioned it earlier, about the joy that they were getting down our left-hand side on Saturday. And especially that chance that flashed across the goal and King didn't get on the end of it. Those are the chances that a better team will put away. And it's why Watford will be fighting for their lives if they haven't got that number nine to score those types of chances. So I agree. I'd like to know what what changed on in the second half because it did become tighter. But I do think that out of everything at the moment, that's our only real weakness is that left-hand side, which Mm. could see a Bolly come in because he's comfortable there. Yeah. Or come in on the right and then switch Kilman to his preferred side if that's needed. But I think as far as depth and everything goes, it's good that we are in the cup. And I think he'll put a, a strong-ish team out against Spurs. One which Silver will start. And I think as long as he start in those types of games against decent opposition, I think we'll be okay. Certainly up till December, January time. So I was going to bring up Silva anyway. Because I don't know if you guys this saw this quote that he had that came out today. He said, last season wasn't normal for us before <laughs> we made it to the Europa League and fought until the end. We expect to return to those days when other teams feared coming to Molyneux. Hmm. Do you like that quote? It's a two-parter. Do you like the quote, A? B, do you like the quote coming from your backup 18-year-old? Who wasn't there for those times, yeah. I think he's probably 
reiterating the dream that was told to him that made him want to come to the millennium. And I think he's trying to point out that dream is still there. So it's not just to the fans. It may be also a message to other players that the program is still there. They're not too far away from where they were. Of course, there's lots of things that happen between now and then, but we could get back to that level. That's possible, but we'll see. I think with him in particular as well, and this outlook that we're looking at in terms of a team that we don't go gung-ho necessarily, but if we do get a two-goal lead or a three-goal lead early enough, then come 70th minute, he's going to get a run out, and I think Mm. he could be a chance to take the pressure off Raul a little bit that he can come off. I think that's where the opportunity lies in the short term, that if we start to put some wins together and we're looking comfortable to close the game out, he could get some minutes and suddenly he gets a, a tap in, Wang did, or starts to pick up two or three goals like that, that are, are bonuses really, but at the same time, it keeps everyone sweet. Yeah, it's a very cheeky tweet. It's a very <laughs> bold tweet. But we still, we are one, one of three, right, games and wins. And we got a lot of work to do. So maybe if, you know, we were maximum points at the top, yeah, we could be a bit, a bit cocky. But I think we need to tone that down a bit, I think. Personally. So you guys think Silva would start for the, the cup game instead of Huang? Uh, maybe Silva both of them. Instead of Raul. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah maybe, uh, that'd be good to actually maybe see how Silva and... Wang play together. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that thought. You got the rugby player and you got the skinny guy. Fly half taking on that big burly dude. Fabio he's, he's of, beefed up a, a little bit. Run, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll tell you what. Trincao needs to add to his as well. He, he reminds me a little about Silva. He's got the skills, but just feels if you cough, he's going to fall over. Maybe they'll start working out with Adama, who, who apparently doesn't work out, is what he says. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen his Instagram. That's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just baby oil. Yeah. It's, it's all baby oil, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, four games into the year, who is you guys' top Wolves player thus far? Who would be the man of the first month? Paul, I'll let you start. I think Neves has been brilliant. So consistently, I think across games, I think Neves has been fantastic to start with. I'm going to go with Kilman. The most amazing turnaround, steady, solid, goes after everything. Yeah, he's been, he got booked against, I think, against Wanford. A young guy. And he's actually English. He's Russian, isn't he? Yeah, Mr. Southgate might have to lock him down with a cap if he keeps. Hey, that's the U.S. men's national team trick right there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. he could uh, could end up playing for the Ukraine if they, because he's never played. So he still has a chance to to choose. I don't know whether anyone's ever heard, but he has represented England a few times before in the futsal team. (laughs) What? He played futsal? I've never heard that. (laughs) I've never heard he played futsal. Come on, Jeff. Spill the beans. So... It's not my, uh, I'm going to pick a player. I'm going to cite, I'm going to answer the question. The player that surprised me the most this year is Marcel insofar as like what Andrew was saying about Kilman. I think he's really has, he's, he's really shown so far this year, like he has it before, but it's probably Neves, but to be contrary, I'm going to say Troyori still doesn't have the finish, but boy, he's got the dazzle. 
all three of those are great choices. I feel like those are the three, Neves, Kilman, and Adama. I think those are definitely the three standouts. I'm going to have to agree with Andrew. I think Kilman is my player of the month, which I know I'm the biggest Adama stand that takes a lot for me to say, but I, Kilman has just been an enforcer back there. Yeah. And he is... He's made Cody look better, I think, as well, because he's yeah. there's been a couple times each game where he's covered somebody who's getting a little bit loose. Yeah, mm, even like the the extra body adds as well that a good two or three times pretty much in every game, he's been at least in the midfield or further forward from there as well. So if they can interject that type of forward play with him as well that it may turn out into a little like Sheffield United in their first season where you had that onrushing centre-back that could add a different dimension to our attacking play as well and he could end up popping up with a goal so I think the sky's the limit for that kid yeah he's put uh, he's put a few headers on target yeah, yeah, just missing a goal threat, I think, yeah. from set pieces. He's got everything else, whether that comes down to aggression or something he, he can be coached to attack the ball strongly. He, he's got the height and the presence, just needs the ball to hit the back of the net. I remember when Bali was that goal yeah. threat, and yeah. it's been a while since we've seen that. So Kilman does stand out as someone who could fill that role that Bali was more reliable, and hopefully we could get Bali back to it. That'd be great. But uh, yeah, if you're, I think he's he's improving offensive as well as d- defensive. Kilman is really did, shining. We did score from a corner on Saturday as well. It was them putting yeah. the <laughs> ball eventually in the back of the net. It was them, but that was a Marcel short corner, and that was yeah, the yeah. first one that mm. he really put on the money as well. It was a great delivery. So I know, I know you I, love my text. Praise Sign there him. as well. Sign <laughs> him. Love that text. Sign him. Let's look ahead then to Brentford. It's going to be an early wake-up call for us. Not real surprising based on the opponent we're facing. Brentford had that great start against uh, Aston Villa, and then uh-oh, looking Arsenal. like... Arsenal. Oh, yeah, it Arsenal. was against Arsenal. Okay. Well, but, but again, it was just against Arsenal. And, and, it was, <laughs> and this year, I could say that. I have some friends of mine who are Arsenal supporters, and I would say that as jokingly. I'm not saying it jokingly this year. So it's one of those, yeah, I think we... They they had a decent start and they only got the one win, but they figured they've got those two draws. So what are you guys thinking as far as <laughs> any changes to the lineup? And do you go with a similar game plan as you had with Brentford? Wins? Traditionally, has been much more attacking, and it looks like even though they had that early success against uh, Arsenal, and all kidding aside, I think a lot of that is that Arsenal was not prepared. They aren't struggling to find goals, and that's new to them. Tony's only got one. He's supposed to be this massive goal threat. He's only got one so far. I think they've only got three goals in total. So that's not how they're used to playing. And so I don't think they're scrambling like Norwich is right now, but I think they're 
trying to find what works. And I think this is a good time to play them. I agree. I th honestly, I think how we lined up would, would do well. But I would be interested to see if we had some minor tweaks, such as uh, maybe Bali coming in, Mosquero coming in. But I really wouldn't change our front line. Our wingbacks and our, our front line, maybe a little on the wingbacks, because we've got some options. We haven't seen Hoover play. We haven't seen Ryan Aitnery play. But I wouldn't change too much. Mm. I think we will we'll be lining up if it is the same like for, and I think that may suit us that we're coming up against a team that plays a relatively similar shape. Yeah, I think but they play it, a three-five-two, right? Yeah, the the back, yeah. So I think for Brentford that will have been a kick in the nuts losing at home to Brighton in injury time on Saturday because those are the games they will need to look at even at this early stage of the season to say we can't be losing at home to a team like Brighton in the last minute when you need at least a point to ideally beat a side like Brighton so I think that may work in our favour somewhat that it may have winded them a little bit dented their confidence it, it would have been a game this time last season or midway through part of last season that I'd have been really fearing and this one, I'm quite looking forward to it in that I think, not that we're going to smash him but by any way, but I just think it's going to be a good entertaining game to two sides who've got some potential to score. I think it's going to suit us and I think we're going to do okay. I looked up earlier today. So of the four games, they've played a 3-5-2. They played a 3-4-1-2 against Villa. That's the only odd ball out. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I think it's going to be a very interesting match up is between Sergi Canos, who's a very fast midfielder, winger, and uh, Adama. Hmm. He has some very quick speed, and uh, I've looked at some things on YouTube. The guy's going to be very dangerous against us. And another person that stands out in their team is a Christian Norgard, who played in the, the Danish Euros. Young kid, 21-22. He's a striking midfielder. Those two together have a very good link. And it's going to be very interesting if we can... Sh it seems like where where Brighton and Villa did better was shutting those two down. And yeah. it, it didn't do anything much for Brentford. Are we at their place or are we home? We're home. Home. We're home. We're home, aren't we? Yeah. They've not won on the road, but they haven't <laughs> lost on the road. They are the Danish version of us because uh, they have... Uh, almost as many Danes on their team as we have Portuguese. <laughs> and they, I, I would also dub them the Mad Men because they have three Mads. Who else has that many Mads? So it's, it's interesting. <laughs> I think it's going to be really tight. I think we're going to win it, but I, I think it's going to be tight. Like a what? A 2 1? Yeah, let's hear predictions. I'll let, no, I'll let I'm going to go start. for a 1 0. I'm, I'm calling for us because they're not, they haven't got their offense together. So I think it's going to be a clean sheet. But I think we're only going to get the one in because we're going to be busy fighting them the whole time. Andrew? I'll, I'll go for a 2-2. Two -two. I think it's going to be an even match. Yeah. That's the end. Andrew, the, <laughs> he's back. He's been replaced. 2-2. Two -two. <laughs> I'm possessed. <laughs> Paul? I don't know what I'm drinking, Andrew, but you can definitely have some of my glass half full because I'm going all in 3-0. Come on, Ooh. baby. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. I thought I was the optimist. There you go. I'm going to go 2-1. Paul, they show me they can score 
scored two goals. Okay, maybe yeah. only one of them they actually scored, but there were two. So I'm going to go 2-1. Uh, Everyone's gone for a W, and I'm a, I'm a okay. <laughs> I, I think it'll be a, a a good one. It's going to be a confidence booster for us, though. Even if it's a two-two draw, I think we'll be fine. All right, Paul, once again, we were inundated with no stupid questions. Let's hear what came through. Yeah, thanks, everyone. This is the part of the show dedicated to you. Get in touch with any question when it comes to the Wolves, whether you're a legacy fan or a newbie or a tourist or Mr. Miami, you can ask us in a judgment-free zone, either on Twitter, Facebook, or good old email so we've got two to begin with, which are kind of linked. So I'm going to ask these one together. First one is Alex Petkus on Twitter asks about our impressions of Trincao through these first four matches. Do you see him keeping others out of the squad as this group gets healthier? Which I'm going to add on our regular guest, uh, Joe Two in Connecticut to this particular one, because he asks, where do you think guys like Neto fit into this squad when he's healthy? Who can they sit for him? So what do you think to those two guys? Chinkao, I think, has right now solidified his position. He has excellent ball movement and he's got very good legs, speed, etc. Um, the only thing that I think the defenders have done a very good job in the first four games, and he's going to figure this out, is they, they know he's a lefty. And he's got a very good striking shot from that left leg. But they've been pushing him out wide to to keep him from that dangerous shot. If he can just make his righty as good as his lefty, I think he's going to be a very good pickup for us. Extremely good. Definitely. As far as Neto, I don't know if I, I don't know if Neto's gonna make it back fully. I think he's not gonna make it back till the end of this season, slowly. And I think his year will be 2022-20. That's my impression. I think that injury he's got is is a very difficult injury to fully recover from. I know he's still young. And I think if our team is doing quite well, I think he won't be rushed back and pushed. And I think they'll just sit him out till next season, to be frank. Yeah, I think Johnny may be a cautionary tale along those lines. He came back, got injured again. Possibly we brought him back and pushed him full on too early because we didn't have any other players. I think Trincao has impressed. I think for now that's his spot. I think his biggest competition right now is, and we just saw him just for part of this game, is Huang. And I could see him and Huang alternate, but I also could see Huang come in for, for Raul. I think uh, Raul and Dama are probably going to be there for starters, which is interesting. They may try down the road to bring back Adama as that super sub. Yeah. But I think that might just depend on who they're facing. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say for Brentford. Yeah, I, I, I was going to mention that, Jeff. I think you spot on that some of the impact that Troy's had previously was from the bench and yeah. what an option to have, even if Podent starts mm-hmm. that he looks round and he's got Adama to leash after 60, yeah. 65 minutes. So I think we, we've got that in our arsenal at the moment that we have got a, a strong bench 
and it, it can be used effectively based on the opposition. But personally, I've loved what I've seen from Trinko so far. He seems to have done something better after each game. He's built on each performance. And I think the only thing that's missing, we nearly saw a cracking goal on Saturday, but the only thing he's missing is a goal really in the league. And someone's got to score those three that I'm predicting on Saturday. So I'm going to think he's going to get off the mark in uh, in the league on Saturday. Awesome. Yeah, yeah those first two games, Trin Cow looked like he had a long way to go and then has really turned it on the last two. I was thinking if Neto came back, Neto would be the starter and Trin Cow would come in as the super sub. Now I think I'm kind of thinking closer to Andrew that if he does come back this year, it's going to be in a very limited role. So I think if he does come back, he will be strictly they'll be keeping him as a super sub, which could be really scary. We talk about the impact Adama made. Neto's got that same type of energy and impact i think and he could yeah. be really dangerous against even some elite teams as a sub coming in yeah yeah as long as we don't do anything stupid and sell him <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> next up we've got uh, joshua Pugh who asks the expected goals show wolves have one of the top attacks in the epl but only one goal to show for it both of these stats are likely to regress a bit, but what do you think is likelier to win out? Is this ultimately a bad offense or is it a good one? <laughs> I bet I know what Andrew's going to say. No, I actually made some notes. I, I read through it. I think we have a very good offense. I think we str- struggled a little bit against Watford and hopefully we can you know, change on that momentum. Things will, will have bad days, generally. We've had very good solid even though we've lost the first three games we've had some very good optimum moments that are just outstanding i think we do have a good offense no no doubt just a couple of tweaks here and there could make us a super offense yeah no i i agree with that i think the thing i think it's a good offense is we have more points of attack Mm-hmm. And, and it's been a while since we've had the opportunity for goals to come from so many. And so, yes, the goals haven't, we haven't turned those into goals, but not just shots, but good shots have been coming and solid shots and people creating. And it's not just from the one source. So that's why I'm going to say it's a good offense. We've got to get a, a little bit of luck, but we've just got to keep that tenacity, keep knocking on that door. Yeah, I think it's a little too simplistic to say good or bad offense because it factors in so much more, like the chances creation and the mm-hmm. saves that the goalkeeper makes and everything. If I dissect it and say the offense is good, the finishing part of it has been bad, but that that can be worked on, and I think that will come off one of these weeks. And it still factors into it. We can have all these statistics in the world, but how do you account for the centre-back putting the ball in his own net on Saturday? So <laughs> it can all go out the window. No, no one expects that. So better luck never hurt anyone. So more of that as well, please. Yep. I think with their speed, I think that's what makes them unique and will make the offense good. I think that this style fits the personnel a lot better than last year's team did with Nuno style. I feel like a lot of these guys are meant to be full-time attackers. The Adamas, the Raul, these are guys that are meant to be go, and I'm glad to see it. Let me ask one question. Do you, even though it's different, 
Do you see some similarities from when we had that outstanding attacking in the championship? And now we've picked it up and put it into the premiership. In- That's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, no. So, so right. yeah, I see that. I, I see. I'm reminded of that championship year, the the one year in championship with Nuno, as well as that first year in the Premier League. It carried over a little bit, and there was a bit of moxie. It was a little cockiness, and but there was a confidence we were going to get the goal. And so last year, it felt like. We were in a Charles Dickens novel and doom and gloom had hit us. But this year it feels like we're going to get it done. Even the second goal on Saturday, when you play that back, it started in the centre midfield of Raul dropping deep and hitting an absolute feature, a pass out. I think it was to Semedo. So Raul was involved, Semedo was involved, pass it into Podence. He does a great assist and bump, there you go. So even though it was a scrappy finish, the whole build-up to that goal was fantastic. So mm. when you've got that nice, intricate play coming off and then you've got the speed and the power of Traore and Podence and Raul in the back of the net and Huang bullying people, it does give you a lot of confidence, I think. Yeah, well, again, you, you're going to have teams that are going to be so focused on trying to contain Adama or try to close out Raul then all of a sudden it's going to come from Neves or Marcel's going to do something to Trincao. And so that's what I'm excited about this year is, yeah, they might impact us on one area, but we've got an answer. And I think yeah. we're going to bounce them back. At the moment, we're not a one-trip pony. We haven't been st- having two men stuck on Troyore because do that and you lock the walls down. It's not like that anymore. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're going to go a little broader next with Wayne McKee on Twitter asking... Now we've finally got our first points on the board. It's early days, but do you think the team we have could finish top six if we stay away from injuries and strengthen in January, or is that too optimistic? The injuries are going to be tough because we also have to keep in mind World Cup qualifying is really squeezed in here. They're squeezing in an extra game every international window, so that still concerns me. I feel like if we're top 10 come January, then Fosen is going to have to invest some money. And at that point, stay moderately healthy. Let's say they can bring in Renato Sanchez then, and maybe Lil's bankrupt enough to that we can steal in Botman. You never know. I don't think top six is out of the question. It's very optimistic, but I don't think it's out of the I do think it has to also do with how well we play until January, mm-hmm. because we had some who were almost persuaded, it sounds like an old hymn, but who were almost persuaded to sign on the dotted line. So if we play the way we're capable of, and they could see, hey, this is a serious project, I think our chances on getting these good players is solid. I honestly, I think it's, even though I'm the eternal optimist, I think it's a little optimistic to say top six. It's possible. I think it's more likely that we're the... We're at the lower end of the top end. So we're like somewhere between eight to 10. Mm-hmm. But again, it's a long year. I had, th- I never thought we would finish like we did last year. And there was a while there before the end, we were not, we were worried about slipping a little even further. So yeah, I think one tough. thing for me about expectations is that it's become blatantly obvious that Nuno was fired and it was down to the way that the team was playing regardless Mm -hmm. of circumstances and it's the 
expectations of the ownership that it's got to be better. So whilst I don't think there's that pressure on, on Bruno to necessarily have us challenging for those higher positions, I do think that he's definitely been given that mandate. That's the ultimate goal that he's got to get the team towards. So whether this season is more of a rebuilding one, but the emphasis is definitely there to add to this team and get his top players into challenge next year for that those spots. I think that is more likely. And I think just out of these four games that I think where we're looking to be is we'd expect the type of season we're going to have, you'd expect to be a team like Watford away from home and at home and those types of teams, those types of teams in the relegation fight or kicking around mid-table. I think where, if I was ultimately positive, we'd have seen something happen, would have been in one of those first three games where if we're really going for it, we'd have won one and maybe picked up a point in the other. So I think if you average those out between we beat the likes of Watford and we may not be in the group of teams around the Leicester Spurs, Man United, I think that's going to balance out and, and highlight where we're going to end up this season, which is towards, yeah, bottom of the top, maybe top of the bottom, 10th to 12th. That's all I have. I have 10th to 12th. I think I think that's a good, solid position for us. I uh, I do. But getting back uh, just quickly on the games, we were very unlucky against Tottenham. That penalty, mm-hmm. that was that could have been could have been a one extra point for us. I think we got uh, shafted on that one, but that's okay. So we're we're pretty broad with that and some optimism for sure. And this one goes even beyond that. Joseph on Twitter, he's known as Blosif. He wants to know whether Bruno is actually the best coach since Stan Cullis. So for those newer listeners who may not know who Stan Cullis was, he was possibly Wolves' best ever manager and got a stand named after him and a statue and, and you name it. Personally, I think that's fairly lofty after four games to put him on the same pedestal or even higher than Cullis. But you never know. Jeff She could have picked an absolute diamond in the rough if uh, Bruno goes on to do possibly half of what Stan Collis did. So who knows? He picked a diamond in the rough with Nuno. Mm-hmm. Of course, before Nuno, it's best not to speak about our Italian venture. That didn't work out very well. And the but, Scottish one as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he was. He did he a was, job. Yeah. He, I think he did a good job of keeping us up. But. I think if Nuno had the last year, especially the last half of the year, if he had left halfway through last season, I think his legacy would be stronger. And I think Nuno's legacy is going to be strong, even though it didn't end well. But that last bit did slightly tarnish it. I think right now, if you, you can't, until we're thinking is is uh, that Bruno was the next Nuno, then we could start talking about Stan Cullis down the road. So we're a few years away from that. And to be honest, Nuno took us from championship to uh, top seven, two years in a row, got us back in Europa League. So to get past that level, there's a lot of hurdles. There's a lot of hurdles. It's doable. And especially since uh, we have a lot of positives. But yeah, that's uh, that's early to be calling Okay, and to wrap these up, we've got a, a couple more jovial ones. Robbie Meakin wants to know who's winning an arm wrestle. Is it Adama or George Elikobi? And again, for newer listeners, 
Elikobi was the, uh, a left back in Mick McCarthy's tenure, built like a brick outhouse, muscles on muscles, you name it. It would really be a, a heavyweight battle in terms of an arm wrestle between those two guys. What what are you saying, chaps? I think Adama's baby oil is what's going to finish it off. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be just too too slippery. <laughs> I agree with Jeff. I don't want... <laughs> I don't want to talk anything about arm wrestling with Troy's shoulder. Hopefully it's hundred percent now. So yeah. No yeah. no contest. Just don't don't even get into that discussion. As long as it didn't turn into a scene like the one in the fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know that scene. Oh, there was a for for those who haven't seen it, there was a similar scene in uh, Black Widow. So in the Russian prison. Okay. Finally, uh, Sean on Twitter asks, are there any actual wolves near Wolverhampton? <laughs> You've seen a few on a night, haven't you, Andrew? Of course. Of course. I, I was only three miles from the stadium at one point. I lived in Bantock Park, so I used to walk to the games and semi-stagger back, but had a good time. Yeah. So, yes, definitely. Definitely. Now, Wolfman Jeff had a question before we started <laughs> recording, also involving animal life. But uh, it's not wolves. It has to do with Watford. Okay, I was curious because um, I was just in Canada watching all those moose signs. And so at first, of course, you had to realize they're not big Wat- Watford supporters. And, it, and so knowing that Watford <laughs> are the hornets, but they've got a moose on their crest, and there are no moose that I know of in England, and it reminds me of the state of Alabama I'm in, which I think Josh is going to get this more than the rest. Uh, there's a certain team called Auburn who are known <laughs> as, I think they're the Auburn Tigers. They are the Tigers. Hear, but they never say Tiger. They say War Eagle, mm-hmm. which is this the most bizarre, curious. So are they just confused or <laughs> is there a history with the moose? How did the moose get on the loose? Now, I would like to see how Auburn has the bald eagle that actually circles the stadium before the game. I wonder if at some point Watford would get a moose to just run around the pitch before the game. (laughs) Yeah, like someone in a Bullwinkle costume, that would be epic. (laughs) I nominate you, Jeff. Yeah, no, he said run, so (laughs) that's not happening, bud. (laughs) Wolfman, don't run. So we're about to head into added time now, chaps. So, Andrew, anything on the horizon with what you've got going with Atlanta Wolves? Yes, we actually, for the Manchester United game, one of the guys in Atlanta, his brother-in-law owns a nice little, cute little bar down in Roswell, which is right in between us and Atlanta, the city of. And uh, he's hoping at some point that he'd like to come on here He's from Wolverhampton, and they would like the opportunity to to maybe talk in and listen in and uh, give him some input. He's, uh, and yeah, so we're very excited about that. Hopefully soon we'll get to see Wolfman. Yeah, uh, well, gonna come down. Roswell's a lot closer, and I don't have to go through Atlanta. So yeah, you, you have me on not having to drive in Atlanta. Yeah. So, so what we're gonna do is they put us up outside, nice uh-huh. big uh, tent, umbrellas. And they put a nice big 70-plus uh, inch TV. We sat out, a beautiful day. Yeah, we lost, but it was great, a great atmosphere. And there was a couple of Liverpool fans there who actually their second team is Wolves. They And I asked the guy, I couldn't understand him, he was a very heavy accent, Liverpoolian. 
And I asked him why he loved wolves. And he said, I just think your kit is so unique. <laughs> and I was like, okay, then. All right. Sounds so, like some, American some to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was definitely from Liverpool. No doubt. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That would be cool. Yeah. It's, I do miss coming out to Atlanta and coming to Roswell would be a blast. Mm. And so that's one of the things we hope to. We've been uh, catching our local side in the off season. Our stadium continues to get built and we had our new executive suite. And Paul, I got to sit with the owner in the owner's box, feeling like Robert Plant. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, so it's gone to my head. Uh, I, I'm sure I'll have that experience if I get to the millennium. I'm sure. Was it a Robert, whole, lot of, whole lot of Jeff? It, it, there's always a whole lot of Jeff. <laughs> That's just... <Yeah. laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and Jeff, while you're on, let the listeners know how they can interact with the Wolfman. Yeah, you can catch me on Twitter at Soccer in South. And then as well with my Soccer Chat buddies, we do the podcast. And our handle is Soccer Chat with two Ts. We cover mostly Chattanooga Red Wolves. I interject in Wolverhampton. I got an Arsenal fan who we've been having too much fun with this year and a Chelsea <laughs> supporter whose head is now ready to explode. But we cover local soccer throughout the whole southern region, but mostly talking about brisket too. So it's a good time. Soccer <laughs> chat. Right. Great. That brings this week's show to an end. So please continue to do what you can, listeners, in terms of liking, subscribing, and reviewing Whole Lot of Wolves on the platform that you find yourself listening to this podcast on. We'll catch you next week to review Brentford and then preview that little tasty clash again with Nuno in the League Cup ahead of Southampton away in game week six. So until then, up the walls. You are the walls. You are the walls.